Welcome to another episode of Channel with the Plan the Podcast, a podcast providing career advice and easy actionable steps for frustrated professionals, helping you overcome career challenges so you can stop feeling confused and defeated and start feeling focused and confident in order to excel in your career. And I'm your host, Max Chan. As you may be aware, we are in the midst of the great resignation, meaning a large majority of professionals in the workforce are leaving their current jobs to pursue other opportunities. And when you're looking for a job, you usually think of two things, applying online on popular job boards such as Indeed, or going on LinkedIn, optimizing your profile, and hopefully get contacted by recruiters for interesting opportunities. However, you may be surprised that LinkedIn isn't the number one platform that recruiters are using to source candidates. Because according to the 2021 Recruiter Nation Report, crafted by Jobvite, when it comes to recruiting via social media channels, Facebook is actually the most popular channel used for recruiting candidates at 68%, while LinkedIn is in second at 65%. Which leads me to my discussion for today when it comes to using other social media platforms to build a digital footprint and make you a marketable candidate for potential positions that recruiters are trying to fill. The Jobvite report will be heavily referenced in today's episode. So I have put a link in the show notes if you want to view it more in depth. It really provides a lot of great knowledge when it comes to the recruiting process and what you need to do in order to stand out above all the other candidates. In addition, my guest for this episode, Marie Zimanoff, she will be discussing additional strategies that you should be utilizing in your job search that goes beyond applying online and optimizing your profile on LinkedIn. And with this episode being published in the first week of November, you still have a lot of time to absorb this knowledge that we're sharing with you today and implement it to help you get the job you want. So a little bit about Marie. She is the CEO of Career Thought Leaders and Resume Writing Academy and knows that career services have the power to change lives. Inspired by a passion to make a difference in the industry, she trains career professionals around the globe in career coaching, personal branding, and resume writing. She has delivered hundreds of career and leadership development programs, designed curriculum, and trained staff in workforce, corrections, university, community college, and business environments. Now let's get into my discussion with Marie on utilizing social media to help you in your job search and get the job you want. Good afternoon, Marie. Hi, Max. Good to be here. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for coming on. And the reason why I brought you on today is you made a post on LinkedIn about how recruiters aren't sourcing candidates from the LinkedIn platform as much as they used to. Like there's been a decrease, a significant decrease from 2017 to now. So that surprised me because when someone's looking to move to another opportunity, they would do the standard thing, right? Write their resume, potentially write their cover letter. I know there's a debate whether it's optional or not, but I'm not going to get into that. And then optimizing their LinkedIn profile so they get found by recruiters. But from what that Jobvite research report gave was that a lot of recruiters are not actually sourcing candidates on LinkedIn as much as they used to. So why is that? Yeah. And it's important just to note that it's the same organization, same kind of data pool that they looked at from 2017 to 2021. And as you said, the decrease from 92% to 65%. 
And so it is a thing, right? It is happening. And a lot of it is because LinkedIn makes you go there, right? You have to go there. And then if you want to connect with people, you have to use LinkedIn to connect with them. And the average monthly user numbers on LinkedIn are not that great. Most people are not on LinkedIn on a regular basis. So now I'm going to pay, I'm going to go to this system, and I'm going to write my candidate, and they're not going to respond because they're not on LinkedIn. And that's the challenge that LinkedIn has been posing for a while. It's why the, the decrease started to happen. And then you've got a sharper decline because these new systems have come online, which will source candidates across the web, anything public on the web, and make it a lot easier for a recruiter to get an information, get a candidate who maybe isn't looking, right? The people who are active on LinkedIn are the ones looking and recruiters notoriously like to get people that are happy and successful where they are. So they aren't necessarily looking. And so these new systems can scrape the web and bring the candidates who have specific qualifications that we've confined because they're active on their company's career page or they're presenting at professional associations, anything that's on the web, these systems can go and find people that have those keywords associated with them in many different ways, not just in social media. That's a fascinating point. So there is this new technology where if they're looking for a project manager or marketing manager, then this tool can actually scrape all these candidates from these various online profiles to find the right fit. Yeah. So you go to YouTube and you look at the explainer videos for find them. Find them is one of them. F-I-N-D-E-M. Seek out Araya. I'm not going to spell that one right, so I won't even try. And then Jobvite, who put out the Recruiter Nation study, they have their own system that is similar to that as well. We watched the explainer video for find them a few weeks ago on my LinkedIn live and very fascinating just to look at how the technology works. And you also make a good point about People who are on LinkedIn are looking for a job. A lot of ones that are passive, which is tend to be the candidates that recruiters want, they're not on LinkedIn because they only are on LinkedIn if they're actively searching, which most of the time people are more of a passive job seeker, right? Right. And when you look at this data, they're looking at recruiters in two camps, recruiters that are external and might recruit for a few different companies and the recruiters that are internal and work for a company. So they've got both of those data pools. And those are just the recruiters. It doesn't mean that a candidate might not benefit from being on LinkedIn, but it's not just about the profile. And that's where I feel like the careers industry has kind of got stuck in the mud talking about optimizing a profile. We really can't just leave it at that. We've got to teach clients how to use LinkedIn, how to connect, how to message, how to use the tool to continue to stay in touch with someone, because that's where what they really need to be to get hired because it's not just about recruiters. It's about having those relationships in their industry. So can you elaborate more on the LinkedIn portion? Yes, having an optimized profile is good, but a lot of people miss the networking portion of that. So do you think networking is the more of a proactive play to getting that next opportunity? Yeah, so here's the confusing data that was in that job fight recruiter nation is that they had somewhat conflicting data about referral programs. So they are investing more in referral programs. They still care about referral programs. They're also being more cautious about overusing referral programs because it tends to limit diversity, right? I'm, I'm more likely to refer someone who looks like me, age, what, you know, ethnicity, background, et cetera. And so you can get kind of a homogenous pool when you do that. But referral programs are still important. And beyond just the, you know, 
basics and the, the formal referral program, that's how the world works, right? I'm looking for someone to help me do a job. I'm going to reach out to people I know in the industry and say, who do you know? Because that saves me time, saves me money, and perhaps erroneously, but most hiring managers and recruiters think that it will be a better fit and that person will stay longer if they're referred from somebody who's already there. And this is where that networking part of LinkedIn and really any other part of your life, that's where this comes in, is hanging out in your professional circles so that you have the relationships with people and maybe they'll refer you, but also maybe they'll be that person across the table when you get to the interview and you'll already have some rapport that maybe other candidates won't have. And that's what you're hoping for is the referral in, but also to maybe have an advocate on the inside because you've built that professional network already. Yeah, because a lot of external candidates, like they're frustrated because they're applying online and they're not getting in. And then when we recommend networking, they, they don't want to do it, right? Because they're they're scared and they want to avoid something that they should be doing, but they just want to play it safe and apply online. So what's your advice for professionals that are kind of stuck in that scenario? So stop thinking about it as networking and start thinking about it as being involved in your professional community, right? Go to professional events, present at conferences, do the things that, I mean, for me as an introvert, like if you told me to network, the immediate image in my mind is cocktail party and I shiver, you know, I, I shiver and shrink. Um, but if we are talking about getting involved in your professional community, that is one more purposeful, which makes it easier and it's building your visibility in lots of ways, not just the relationships, although the relationships are key, but now you also are building that digital footprint that we were talking about before in terms of being listed as a presenter or a contributor or any of those things. So don't, you know, stop networking and start just getting involved in your professional community or the, the professional community that you want to be in, because that's how you can build your visibility and your relationships at the same time. And like you said before, career coaches, majority of career coaches are still stuck on the optimizing the LinkedIn profile and that's it, right? But according to the Jobvite report, a lot of recruiters are getting their candidates from Facebook and Instagram. But the notion is that those are more of a personal profile. So how does one balance creating that professional profile on those platforms? So on Facebook, especially, it's really not about the profile. There are some other ways that we have been neglecting. How many Facebook groups are you a part of? I say actively three, four. Okay. So this is the goldmine for recruiters. And my recruiters in our hidden job market class have been talking about this for a few years. And we've been kind of planning and waiting. We've been waiting for career coaches to be ready for this. But here's the thing. The strategies for Facebook, Twitter, and even LinkedIn, they're all very similar and they're all about engagement. So yeah, you, you might want to think about your Facebook profile, but it's less about your profile. In fact, now on Facebook, you can join a group and have that group only be able to see per certain parts of your profile. So you can almost create a public facing profile on Facebook without having to do that much work. And then when you join a group, you can select which like what parts of your profile people from that group can see. So it's a lot about research, company research, engaging on company pages, and engaging in groups. I mean, you could do this without any personal connections. You could do all of that without any personal connections and really just a, a bare bones profile. 
And, you know, who knows what will happen with LinkedIn beyond that. Instagram's a little bit more engaged, but again, you wouldn't have to post a lot. It would be more about following the company, seeing what they're doing and commenting, engaging. And that's where it it actually makes it easier for a job seeker because we're not talking about a huge amount of content creation. We're talking about engaging. And I can tell you that if you engage on a company's LinkedIn posts or Instagram posts, you are going to get love you're going to get loved on because nobody's doing that, right? These companies are out there posting on LinkedIn, on their company page, and nobody responds. So if you do that, you will get love. You will find connections. You'll build relationships because they are hungry for people to respond to their posts. So one of the common misconceptions about LinkedIn is that you have to create content to get the visibility you need to get these recruiters to reach out to you or recruiters at the companies that you want to work for uh, reaching out to you, but you don't have to, because as long as you engage with their company pages on the comment section, whether it's the Instagram page or the LinkedIn company page, as long as you're engaging with their company content, you tend to get noticed by recruiters. Would that be a fair assumption? Yeah. And you'd start with their company page and then you'd find who are the active people in those companies maybe the salespeople, maybe the marketing people, maybe the recruiters. So you've got to do your research one level down, find the people that are active on LinkedIn for those companies and start engaging with their content too. And this is where that strategy, the relationship building part of it really comes in. You don't have to create a whole bunch of content. You really don't have to. um, It's not about dropping a whole bunch of expertise on their posts. In fact, that can feel a little bit one-uppy, right? So we just, we go there, we relate, we share a little bit of our knowledge to show that we're we're up on it, but we don't have to be writing a book on someone else's post. Uh, it's just to show that engagement and to show that we're involved in, again, in the professional community. And I think you made a good point about exploring other social media platforms because if everybody's on LinkedIn, because that's the, considered a job site, if you comment on the company's Instagram post, you may get actually more visibility compared to LinkedIn where it's more competitive. Yeah. And a lot of you think about how a company is created, right? Or how it's structured. And a lot of the recruiters for a company are younger. They're newer in the company, right? You start as a recruiter in most, I mean, this is very generalized, but you start as a recruiter and then you move into higher levels of HR management. So if you really want to connect with the recruiters, you may likely find them more active on Instagram and the platforms where younger people are, which again, a lot of us in the career space are like, oh, only the young people are there. That's not my clients. Well, it may not be, although with 1 billion people on Facebook and close to a billion people on on Instagram, I always have a little bit of trouble when people tell me their clients aren't on those platforms. It's like, really? (laughs) They're part of the 10% of people in the world who are not on Instagram. I don't know about that. But anyway, so when we think about, yes, it may not be the executives that are there, and it may not even be the executive recruiter that's there, but if you can build a relationship with that entry-level recruiter, Heck, then, you know, you can build it into something else. So a good strategy in exploring other social media platforms is to find the company pages or profiles on these platforms and start engaging with them if they're active on those platforms. And then maybe look at who has liked those posts and see if they actually work there and reach out that way. Would would that be a strategy that someone could use? 
Well, in the company pages, especially on LinkedIn, you know, they've got all the people that work there connected to the company page. So you could look at who's responding, but there may be people who are active on LinkedIn that aren't necessarily responding to the company posts. Look through their company list on LinkedIn, see who's active there, but then take that to Instagram, take that to Twitter and look for those same people there to see if you might engage with them there in addition to on LinkedIn or instead of LinkedIn. Maybe they aren't active on LinkedIn, but they are active on Twitter or on uh, Instagram. Probably the easiest places to connect with someone cold. Facebook may be a little bit awkward to connect with someone cold, but Instagram totally and, and Twitter, right? There's no barrier to entry. You don't have to like me. We don't have to be friends for you to engage with my content on those two platforms, which is great. Yeah. And about the awkwardness, if someone's profile is private, then maybe they just want it to be personal. But if it's public and you can follow them, I wouldn't see why not in terms of like just reaching out out of the blue, right? Yeah. And on Facebook, same thing. You can find the company page. You can see who's active on that company page. Some companies have a careers group. So you're you're doing that same research. It's really the same process for each different platform. The challenge is that people get overwhelmed and so they stop with LinkedIn. And that might be fine if it's working for you, but if it's not working for you, let's go somewhere else. And this is particularly true. So I was doing a presentation for a workforce center. I think it was right at the beginning of COVID. And we were talking about how the types of jobs that the people that they were helping with are looking for aren't on LinkedIn. Why we're talking about hospitality jobs, entry-level machining jobs. Nobody's posting those on LinkedIn and you're going to have a hard time finding people to connect with on LinkedIn. But you go to Facebook Facebook groups ripe with those types of jobs, especially local groups, jobs groups. And then there's actually quite a few job postings in Facebook that we are not even helping people know are there. So could someone just go on Facebook and type in jobs in Toronto or jobs in New York and there'll be a Facebook group for that and then they can actually go in and contribute? Is it that, right. is it, is it that simple? Yep. And Facebook's search function is so much better than LinkedIn. I was just playing around with this because I'm teaching <laughs> I'm teaching customer research to some coaches today. And you can't search a LinkedIn group really at all. Like, But you can go in a Facebook group and you can keyword search. So if you're interested in a certain type of job, you go into that Facebook group, you search a keyword, and you get really relevant, great results of anybody who's posted about those jobs in that group. And then maybe even it was two months ago, you reach out to them and you say, hey, I just saw your old post and wondered, you know, I'd love to learn more about your company. Now you're not just thinking about that opening, but you're thinking about how can I connect with this person beyond that? All right. And I, I want to move the conversation a, a bit in terms of the resume portion. So in the Jobvite report, they're saying that recruiters are not putting as much importance to previous job experience and culture fit as they used to. So that's kind of surprising because I'm assuming that recruiters want to hire someone that's already done the job before, but Jobvite's saying that that might not be the case anymore. So can you elaborate more on that and why this trend's happening? Well, they're having trouble filling positions and it would be interesting to see the breakdown in terms of industry, you know, what types of recruiters aren't as worried about the previous experience, hospitality industry, for instance, right there, everywhere in the US that people are talking about how they can't hire in the hospitality industry. And the hospitality industry is a fairly good chunk of that job fight data based on some of the other pages in that report. So I'm I'm wondering if I might be skewed a little bit by those industries who are really struggling to find people that are a good fit. 
but just in terms of, you know, the, the war for talent, where there's more openings than there are people applying to them in some industries, that's where you might be seeing some of that flexibility. And then the culture fit part is really about diversity. Culture fit was always cop out for you just didn't fit here, right? And um, so people are, are being more careful about that, which is good. And the experience piece is important for us to realize, and it's still important in your resume to do the translation. I always call it translation. I'm not a huge fan of the transferable skills word because everybody goes fluffy when we talk about that, you know, excellent written and oral communication skills. That's, that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about translating what you've done into the language of the new employer so they can see right away that you do have the experience, even though it might not be exactly. The other interesting point from Jobvite on that same page was that the older recruiters, so 50 plus recruiters, 80 some percent of them still care about previous experience. The younger recruiters, it was like 40% of them care. So you also need to do your research and see, you know, who are you talking to in terms of, of the recruiter? Because, and I would imagine that that's going to extend on to hiring managers. If you're being hired by a older hiring manager, 50 plus hiring manager. I don't know the right word there. It all sounds bad. <laughs> but if you're if you're talking to someone who's 50 plus, they will need you to connect the dots more than someone who may be younger that's your hiring manager or recruiter. But the message is that there's no better time to transition to a different field than right now based off the Jobvite report. Right. Yeah. It's as easy as it has ever been. I don't know. We'll see next year if it gets even easier. We'll have to see how the, how the talent conversation continues. So staying on the, the resume topic in terms of from an experience perspective. So the resume is the standard text, right? But now you're probably aware about the TikTok video resumes. So do you think that's going to be more of a tool that's going to be utilized more heavily in the future, or you think this is just a test project and you don't think it's going to actually get go anywhere? I think we're overly focused on TikTok when actually the video resume is creeping in and has been creeping in in a lot of other ways. You've got your 30 second cover video on LinkedIn. If you are in active or passive job search, that's a resume, right? We don't want it to be a, a resume and we don't want a TikTok video to really be a resume either. We want it to be a story that demonstrates your skills. We want it to connect to that listener. But you've got the LinkedIn cover video. You have recruiting systems that are allowing candidates to upload a video so that's already in there when the recruiter's looking. And then you have a huge increase of the asynchronous video interview, which is really a video resume. So Indeed, Indeed.com rolled out just a few months ago that anyone who posts a job on Indeed can use their video interview system for free. It's built in. So that isn't necessarily a video resume, but it's the same idea that you've got this asynchronous video that you're recording and that's going to the hiring managers. Yeah, there's one way interviews now, right? Which is you have a question, there's a timer, and then you record your answer. So this video resume isn't new. It's just an evolution of what's going to happen now in the future. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see. I mean, TikTok's little experiment was, from what I read, pretty focused in the service industry. So you had people like, you know, Chipotle was one of the big people talking about it. 
they're targeting a younger audience, their recruiters are younger. I was looking at some of the recruiter videos on TikTok. So the company videos that their recruiters were posting were fascinating just to see, depending on how long we've been in this industry, we might have an outdated picture in our mind of what a recruiter is and who a recruiter is. And again, some of my colleagues be like, oh, the executive recruiters are older. That's not necessarily true. And so I think it's important for us as career services providers to just go on TikTok too and look at the company videos because these are the recruiters that your candidates are trying to connect with. And we need to continually challenge our idea of who those people are and what they care about and really pay attention to to that currently, not that 10 years ago. So professionals who don't like video resumes or they think it's a bad idea, it's usually because they don't want to be on video. So what's some advice that you can provide professionals on getting comfortable with video and selling their career story? So I would start by doing easy things like interviews. So interviews on video are much easier than probably any other thing. So if you could get on someone's an industry, again, industry, professional organization, your community, find people in your community that have a video interview show, whether that's LinkedIn Live or YouTube, many of them don't have a lot of viewers. So it's not a huge risk. And you can go on and be interviewed and respond. And if that person allows you, then you could maybe even use clips from that video. Or even if you don't use those exact clips, you could get the transcription of that video cut the pieces that you really like, and now go and make your own. And we are talking 30 seconds to three minutes. This is short. It's not a huge commitment. You could start with your LinkedIn cover story, get that 30 seconds down. Faster is usually harder. But if you do some more free-flowing things like interviews and, and make it easy, then you could hop on those videos and just pick some of the sound bites that you want to recreate and create some of those videos that way. But that's, I guess that's how I would start or kind of how I started was doing the interview piece first and even podcasts, you know, be on someone's podcast, do it audio, then translate to that to video and just get used to speaking to your areas of expertise. We really don't want you speaking about you. I don't want like I grew up in this town and then I did this. Like, I don't want that anyways. You're really speaking about your areas of expertise and your particular areas that you're passionate about. And that's what we want to come across on on video. Speaking of video and other types of mediums. So when you reach other people on, on LinkedIn or Instagram, it's usually text messages, right? You can do recorded audio clips or even video clips. So do you think that that's a good approach to stand out when you're reaching out and networking with people when you like do a quick video recording or a quick audio recording? You can experiment with it. I love asking people what they prefer. So if I'm texting with a recruiter, uh, let's say we're you know going back in LinkedIn messaging, I might say, would you prefer a video message or would you prefer an audio message? And they can let me know. I've got young kids and most of the time when I'm doing LinkedIn messaging, it's like when they're, you know, 30 minutes, they're walk, watching a show or something. I try to control my social media time during the day because I got work to get done. And I would imagine I'm not the only one that does that. So if you send me an audio message, I'm trying to listen to it. My kids are going, mom, who's that? Like, it's just, it, it's not, it doesn't work that well for me. If I'm reading it, I can respond really easily. And it's not about me. It's about that person I'm communicating with. So I've had to get a little bit better about that. If someone sends me an audio message, obviously that's what they prefer. 
And so I'll try to send one back to them. If you're the candidate and you're working with a recruiter or a hiring manager, ask them how they prefer that you respond or mirror them. So if they send you an audio message, mirror them and send that back. If you text someone and they respond with audio, then at that point, you've gotten permission to do audio as well. So you can, in a way, synchronize your communication. Yeah. Yep. And we talked about all the social media profiles, but what's your take on communities in terms of Slack and Discord? Is that another good job search avenue that for professionals to explore? Yeah, those are awesome because if your professional association has that kind of channel, that's involved in the community. Get involved. Similar to what we were talking about to like LinkedIn comments, you don't want to be the know-it-all. You don't want to, you don't want to pick fights. You don't want to be confrontational. You want to be cordial, share your expertise, but also appreciate and genuinely appreciate other people, compliment other people genuinely. And when you do that in those communities, you'll get, you know, you build a brand as someone who is helpful, answers questions, shares information. And that, that can never do anyone wrong. Great. And in terms of online courses, I, I read in the John Vite report that recruiters are taking online courses certification more seriously. A quick story for me is I took an online certification in about 2012, and it was online at one of the Ivy League schools in the States. And they were impressed by it because of the name. But then when they realized it was online, they were like, oh, right. They felt a lot of disappointment. But I think things have changed now due to COVID and online learning. So what's your take in terms of getting the right online courses to make you stand out compared to your competitors? Research. So see other people who are already in the jobs you want to be in. What types of certifications might they have? Ask around. Ask the people that would be your hiring managers and see, you know, is this a certificate that they would find value in or that they have have anyone, you know, taken this? It's a great way to network. People love to give you advice. They love to respond to those types of questions. So you could post in one of those professional groups, you know, hey, I'm researching this type of certificate. Has anyone ever done that before? And get real feedback from people that that have that. And then when you do choose it, you want to do it like all in, use that opportunity to network, connect to the other students and professor on LinkedIn, but you just don't want to be a wallflower, right? You want to jump in and actually participate, especially virtually, because it can be tempting to just, you know, or pay for it, but not do it or do the bare minimum to get the certificate and resist that urge. Choose selectively and then go all in and participate, network, use those connections in addition to obviously the information that you use and do the project. So a lot of those, there's like an optional project. And especially if you're looking to change careers, do the optional project because then you can put it on your resume. So you could say, like put the online course of certification on your resume, but you can also talk about a key project on your resume and even build a portfolio, if, especially if you're trying to transition to that field when you had no prior experience. Yeah, I worked with someone, I don't know, a few years ago that was trying to get into data science when data science was fairly new machine learning and he was taking all these free courses but he was creating things from what he'd learned and he was you know posting it on github and having those interactions with other professionals but then also we put those projects on his resume and he had developed like a financial market analyst tool it was really neat and we were talking about the specifics 
but it was just a project he did for school. But we don't have to necessarily spell that out. Of course. And from our current conversation so far, it seems like if you want to get the job you want, you have to build relationships on platforms that your audience is in. So if they have a good Instagram presence or they have a Slack community, you want to go there and start networking. So it, would that be the case? If you really want to elevate your career trajectory, you have to network on the available tools that are out there right now? Yeah. And the tools where your audience is, and this is how you avoid overwhelm, do the research, find your audience, and then choose your platforms. And that will help you reduce your overwhelm is just to really engage where those people already are. Okay. And I don't want to really touch upon this because I about the cover letters, but in the Jobvite report, they're saying that the cover letter has increased in importance recently compared to like a few years back. Uh, why is that? Because there's a huge argument whether people read them or not. I, I'm not going to get into it that big a debate, but the report does say that there is an increased importance in that cover letter. So, so why is that now? Like, why is it that important now before if it just the resume was good enough? I would guess that it's because I want to know that you've done your research. I'm not going to waste my time. And here's the thing, this 26% of Jobvite people that said it was important to them, if you don't submit one for them, you are done. You're out. You're gone. Whereas the 74% that didn't care, if you submit one, it's like, eh, they might not read it, but they're not going to kick you out of the pool because you submitted one. And that's the difference when people say, well, you know, nobody wants them anymore. It's like, well, but those 26% whom you don't know who they are, if you don't submit one, you're done. And most of the other 74% from what I've read just in recruiter conversations on LinkedIn and Twitter is that they don't like cover letters because they are seeing candidates send the template. It's not customized. It's boring. It's long. Cover letters today are short, they're snappy, and they are targeted. They're written directly to that company, that job, and they're connective, right? You've done your research. You're saying this is really why you'd like to work there. If you're not doing that, then you probably don't want to send one, but it could hurt your application to not send one. The common thing a lot of professionals do is that they have their template and they just change the name or change the company name and then send it, right? Obviously, that's not good enough. You have to tailor to actually show to the recruiter that you're actually putting in effort, not just putting a cover letter there because you think you have to. Yeah, and they're reading it because they want to know why you want to work there. So if you don't tell them that, it's a waste of everybody's time. And going back to the social media part of things, what's your opinion on hashtags? Is, is it a good tool to find jobs or find like specific contacts? Yeah, someone in our Career Thought Leaders Facebook group was asking about that the other day. What hashtag should I follow on Twitter? And there are hashtags that you can follow, but it's going to be a lot more fruitful to follow companies, to follow people in those companies, to connect. I, I mean, it's like a hashtag's kind of looking at a job board versus the finding the people and connecting where you could be that referral. So hashtag's fine. It could help you make sure you don't miss something. But I really want you to find the companies, follow the companies, engage with the companies, find the people, engage with the people. That's where I'd start. And to add to that, if someone was, let's say they're not happy where they are, they want to make a career move, what are the three things that you want them to do right away to build their foundation for a successful job search? Focus. Focus first. What do you want to do? Where do you want to do it? If you don't know those two things, you can't do any of the things we've been talking about this whole show, right? You can't find companies. You can't be targeted. You're going to get overwhelmed social media wise if you don't have focus. 
What roles do you want? What organizations and industries are you looking at? And sure, you could do that anywhere. You're an accountant. You could do that anywhere. But anywhere is impossible. Start with somewhere. What three industries, what five companies would you really love to work for? And start there in terms of your social media engagement, especially your, your digital branding efforts, because you can't get involved in a professional community if you don't know who they are. <laughs> Makes it difficult. So you got to start with that focus, what and where. Then the research. Where are those companies? What are they doing? And then the engagement. And somewhere in there, the messaging, which probably after you've decided what and where, then you got to do your messaging. What are you going to say about yourself? What do your profiles look like when people come to you? And then you can start doing your engaging. And a job search plan is only as good as the execution. And a big issue a lot of professionals have is sticking with it for the long term and being consistent. Plays more for the accountability, right? So a common issue that a lot of professionals have is, let's say they try networking. And then they say networking doesn't work and they only talk to like five people, right? So how do you continue staying on that path and holding yourself accountable that the results will come, but you have to stick with it over a longer period of time? Having a real plan and a deadline and an end date. So I'm going to try this for three months, right? I'm not going to just try networking, but I'm going to try this for three months. I've got a plan. I've got a process. I've got to, this is what I'm going to do every week. And then reward yourself for the actions, not the outcomes, because you don't have any control over the outcomes. You don't have control over if someone responds, obviously, over if you get a job, but you have control over the actions. So create a game for yourself with rewards for your actions. So if you reach out to this many people, if you engage on this many posts, track those, track your actions and reward yourself for the actions. Because I think a lot of job seekers get dismayed because they don't have the outcome and then they stop. But if you can track your actions and pay attention to your actions, you will have better results. And this is the difference of action-based metrics versus outcome-based metrics. The outcomes are important, but we've got to we've got to know the actions that lead that way. And we really have to pay attention to those actions first. So it's like creating smart goals. I think that's the terminology, right? Yeah, smart goals, specific, actual, you know, those are good. But again, sometimes people set those smart goals around the outcome. And I would rather that you're setting smart goals around your actions. What are you going to do? And really focusing on that. It's like, I mean, the easy example is weight loss, right? People say, I'm going to lose 30 pounds. And then tomorrow when they haven't lost 30 pounds, they give up, right? But if you said, I'm going to eat this much, I'm going to exercise this much every day. And then at the end of the week, you can say, Yep, I ate 1,500 calories a day and I exercised 30 minutes a day. You achieved those goals and you're more likely to stay motivated and keep going. In fact, the research has shown that the number one way to lose weight is to track what you eat every day because you can't run away from that, right? If I write down that I ate two pieces of cake and like it's really obvious. And so make your job search the same. These are the actions that we know move you closer to that goal. Networking, engaging, researching and obviously applying to positions because you'll note in the job bite study that online job boards and company pages were two of the top three sources for top quality hires. So you do want to be paying attention to the openings and applying to those as well as creating opportunities for yourself by connecting to people in the industry. 
I always emphasize it's not one or the other, right? Like you, you don't just want to apply online. You just don't want to network. You want to do both because a good successful job search strategy is utilizing multiple tactics and applying them consistently over time, right? Yeah. And the job ads are going to give you ideas of other companies to research and people to talk to. They're, they have benefits beyond just applying. You do want to not apply unless you have 75% plus of the requirements for an online job. And, you know, that can be a waste of time, but it still can say, hey, here's a company and I'm going to go network in because maybe that position wasn't a great fit, but there are others. And there's a lot of good things we can get from job boards if we use them in part of our strategy and not rely on them too much. And since we're closing out the year, there's only, I think, two and a half months now as we're recording this middle of October. What are some job search trends that professionals should watch out for in the coming year of uh, 2022? More tech. This data, $10 billion of venture funding has gone into HR tech in just the last 18 months, $10 billion in 18 months. So we are going to be seeing more tech. We're talking text job systems, more AI interviewing systems, AI interviewing prep technologies. I know we are kind of all tired of it and we want that human interaction. We're really trying to use technology to improve, right? Technology to diversify our hiring pool, technology to move people faster, technology to connect with people more frequently so they're not wondering where their application's out in the process. I try to think of it as a good thing because there's really no benefit to thinking of it as a bad thing, but you're going to see more of it in the process and more tech to help you as a job seeker too, not just on the hiring side of things. And then virtual is here to stay. So most companies are doing virtual recruiting. They're doing virtual interviews. They're trying to figure out how to keep as many people remote as possible because that's what the workforce is saying they want. But you will also see some move back to in-person, especially next spring. I don't think it's going to happen much this winter here in the U.S. I don't know what, what you'll see in other parts of the world, but I think you'll see more move back to that office in the spring and we'll see if the remote desire, I don't think it's really a remote desire. It's more a hybrid desire by the majority of people. And we'll see how that plays out. And with that said about more tech, if you're a career coach and you want to stand up from the competition, you have to go beyond just the resume and LinkedIn, right? In order to stay ahead of the curve. Yeah, be up on the tech. What are they doing? Helping clients with video, helping clients prepare for video interviews. There's a few cool systems in our industry that that help with that. We just had a tech jam in June to kind of get people that are running these new technologies in to give us some previews, if you will, and that stay on top of that. We do a live show for career thought leaders every Tuesday on the trends, and you can pop in there on Facebook or LinkedIn and see what the latest is, or let us know what you want to learn about, or come on and be a guest. Well, sounds good. So again, uh, Marie, I really appreciate you taking some time out of your day to talk to me and my listeners in terms of job search strategies in order to get to the job that they want. I want to end this episode with one last question for you. So my podcast is about helping professionals overcome career challenges and obstacles. So for you, what has been one big career challenge that you faced and what were the steps that you took to overcome it to get to where you are today? Oh my, I've had a few, mostly when I was younger. So seven years ago, I was offered the opportunity to purchase Resume Writing Academy and Career Thought Leaders. And it was a big, it was a big decision. It was a big risk. And that risk I was only able to take because I had taken risks before it and been successful. 
So a lot of times people think that they can't take a risk or that, you know, you can't get out of the rat race, can't get out of that. And I'd look for little ways in your career to take small risks. I had started a business while I was still working full-time at the university, got comfortable to where I could quit. I had, you know, taken on some leadership roles that felt really out of my comfort zone and had success. You can only grow when you take a risk. You can only change when you make change, but start small. Take on a volunteer opportunity. Take on a volunteer leadership opportunity. Take on an extra project at work. Take a class that can be a risk depending on what it is. But if you do what you've always done, you're going to get what you've always gotten and find a small way that you can take a little risk, make a little change because that snowballs. It builds on itself and builds your confidence. And the next time an opportunity comes around, you'll feel like, yeah, I can do this because I just did that. As the saying goes, doing the same thing, expecting different results is the definition of insanity, right? Right. Yeah. So again, I really appreciate the time that you uh, took today. So how can people connect with you online to learn more about what you do and how you help? Yeah, I'm really easy to find on LinkedIn. I'm the only Marie Zimenoff, Z-I-M-E-N-O-F-F. And uh, I run Career Thought Leaders, which is a think tank for the new and the next in careers and Resume Writing Academy, which is pretty obvious. We train professional resume writers. So you can find me at any of those places and happy to connect. Send me a personalized note if you connect on LinkedIn. It's hard for me to manage all of that. And I am anti, I'm anti-pitch on LinkedIn. So if it feels like a pitch, I, I'm not connecting. So send me a personalized message, connect there, follow, do whatever. And I'm happy to answer questions and help folks move forward in their job search. Speaking of pitch... So I pitched you to come on here. So what made my message uh, stand out? Yeah, so you're specific. You'd seen the message. Uh, You're in my colleague group. So I think it's a little harder when someone's adjacent or outside that group. I mean, I get pitched. I probably get a pitch every single day to be on my radio show. And if people aren't specific about how it connects to my audience, you're out right away. Like it's really easy to see who my audience is And if you're not specific to my audience, we're done, right? I don't have time to teach you who my audience is, unless your topic is like super relevant to my audience, even though you may not have connect the dots. Specific, complimentary. I don't know if you complimented me, but I always have hard. If someone compliments me in in their like message to connect or, you know, I've listened to your podcast and I love it. I'm a little bit hesitant is that just, you know, a phrase they've gotten all their messages. If you can be specific, I really enjoyed your last episode on X because you said Y, then you're really on, you know, then you're really into in like Flynn. So a specific connective showing that you've done your research and paid attention. And that's networking 101 right there. Right. Yeah. Okay. Again, appreciate the time, Marie, and hope you close out the year strong. Yes. Thank you too, Max. Thank you so much. Thank you again to Marie for coming on the show and providing some tips and tactics on how you can increase your odds and success in the job search. I know many professionals out there, when they're looking for a new job, they default to applying online or optimizing their profile on their LinkedIn to get potential recruiters to contact them. But that's a bare bones job search strategy that everybody does. If you want to get dramatic results, you'll have to do dramatic things that not a lot of people will do. And Marie has provided some additional strategies. If you use them, will help accelerate your job search. If you want to listen to my insights on this topic, 
make sure to check out Chancap this coming Friday on all popular podcast platforms. So make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out. Again, this is Chan with The Plan, the podcast. I'm your host, Max Chan, and I thank you for listening.